Hello, welcome everybody to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition, with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Here for our November monthly podcast. Exactly. It is <laughs> the month of November. Another month. Another church COVID situation. Exactly. But most <laughs> so. importantly, yesterday was my birthday and we partied like rock stars. At least as much as you can party like rock stars on a Sunday in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. That's true. That is true. <laughs> no, my husband was very sweet. I got breakfast in bed. Aww. Then I got to sleep in because, of course, I went back to sleep after I ate my breakfast. Uh-huh. Um because we had afternoon church and then he cooked me dinner and the kids were wonderful. Nobody was snarky yesterday. Oh, how nice. So it was a very nice birthday. The one thing is though, I did get asked to say the prayer in sacrament meeting. And so I did say yes. I don't know how different wards are doing it. They're having a horrible time in my ward getting people to agree to pray either in sacrament meeting or when we do our Zoom meetings. Oh, Nobody really? wants to pray over the Zoom. It's the weirdest thing. Well, are they having a hard time finding t- speakers? Um, I don't know if they're having a hard time finding speakers. I know that I recently got a new calling as a Relief Society teacher. Mm. Don't worry, I still have my priesthood calling as well. <laughs> but, yes, we have not been released they from that. still haven't released you? Well, I think I mentioned what was in an it? earlier podcast. Family History Leader? Lord Temple and Family History Leader. Leader. Got which it. is technically supposed to be a priesthood holder. Now, they... After about eight months of chiding, they finally called a guy. And so if you look on LDS, but they didn't release me. Mm. So if you look on LDS tools, he and I have the same Ooh, title. We are co-leaders. We are co-leaders. <laughs> so technically, I still have my priesthood calling. But one of the reasons that they called me to be a Relief Society teacher is because they could not find women who were willing to teach that were comfortable teaching in Zoom. Over Zoom. Oh, the Zoom is intimidating the to people, Zoom, huh? The Zoom is apparently intimidating to people. So oh, I would much rather give a talk or teach over Zoom than in person. <laughs> seriously. like, and But maybe people are scared they'll mess up the technology aspect of it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I have no idea. I, mm. um, you know, virtually every court appearance I have right now is via Zoom. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeling like, you know, the Zoom master, although I haven't figured out how to incorporate a PowerPoint yet. Mm -hmm. Some of the other teachers can incorporate a PowerPoint. I need to mess around with that. But not only am I the Zoom master, I recently acquired a very good lighting for Zoom. Because if you're going to be on the Zoom, you need to have those ring lights that enhance your lighting and make you look really good that all the influencers use. So when it was the Amazon Prime sale, I promptly bought myself some ring lights. I've got some dual ring lights. So although I haven't taught yet, I'm obviously I've used them for court, but although I haven't taught yet, the first time I teach, everybody's going to be going, man, that sister Tiffany is looking pretty good with her lighting there. Your fancy lighting. I might have to borrow those someday. Yes, my lighting is very fancy. So <laughs> now your church is moving back to all virtual. In Idaho here in our area, we've been back. Most people in our valley have been back yes. to weekly sacrament meetings, although with precautions and limits and yes. all of that. You guys are moving back virtual next week. Yes. So we got the message yesterday. So we had been doing sacrament meeting in two groups. And then we've had about a month where we've all been together, spread out way into the back of the gym. Mm -hmm. But we just got the word yesterday that we are moving to virtual sacrament meeting. So the way this is apparently going to work is we had been doing physical sacrament meeting at two. So we would 
at 11 o'clock, we would have either Priesthood, Relief Society, or Sunday School in the Zoom. Mm-hmm. Then we'd chill for a couple of hours, and then we'd have Sacrament at 2. It was kind of like old school when you went to Sunday School in the morning, and then you returned to church yes. in the evening for and Sacrament. Church drags out. That's how, And we're opposite. We yes. have early church in person, but various assorted Zoom meetings throughout the rest of the day okay. for various members of the family. Yeah. So, so we just have we just have one Zoom meeting and mm-hmm. one sacrament meeting. Like I said, it was very much akin to the 1970s before the block mm-hmm. plan. However, they announced that when we do this virtual sacrament meeting, because, you know, we only have to share airwaves and not the physical building, and there's lots of airwaves out mm-hmm. there, or internet bandwidth, I should say, we are doing our virtual sacrament meeting at 10. Mm-hmm. Now, here is what's really interesting. So you are authorized, if you have a priesthood holder, to conduct the sacrament in your home during the designated sacrament time for virtual sacrament. Okay. You may not conduct the sacrament outside of the designated time for virtual sacrament. Ooh. So if you don't show up for 10 o'clock virtual sacrament, you're out of luck. Oh, they're cracking down. And no more willy-nilly sacrament whenever you want it. No. Well, they had withdrawn that permission when we all started going back okay. to, to church. Um, and you are to show up at 10 o'clock for virtual sacrament in your Sunday best as if you were sitting in the chapel. So no more virtual sacrament in your pajamas. Okay. Or, and I guess we haven't had virtual sacrament in our pajamas, but certainly on Sunday when I was listening to the priest at Zoom meeting, you better believe I was lying in my bed in my pajamas. Yeah. When we were virtual, we were super casual. Yeah. And we regretted it. I mean, my husband would dress up to bless the sacrament. Yes. But the rest of us wouldn't. And we were really regretting not instilling with our kids from like day one, we are dressing up for sacrament because we were noticing... Behavioral issues? Oh, yeah. Everyone was very cash. Ooh, <laughs> so interesting. So you've given me the idea. If our, Well, we're still going for now. I ha- our steak hasn't called mm-hmm. it yet. Um, who knows how long that'll last. But I'm sure at some point we'll be back to virtual. When we do, I'm just going to... I'm just going to re- say, hey, new rules, kids. Exactly. Or better yet, they've maybe... They've asked us all to dress up. Now. Yeah, you could say they've asked us all to dress up. I was going to say, better yet, maybe it comes as an, as, an, as an edict. I don't have to say who they is. Okay, I have to tell you the funniest story about the announcement of our virtual sacrament. Uh-huh. So my husband is a priest quorum advisor, and he has a text, an ongoing text, that where all the priests are on it, the bishops on it, and a couple of the other priest quorum advisors are on it. Uh-huh. So they are trying to coordinate on Sunday who's going to bless the sacrament for this last Sunday. So one of the priests gets on and he says, hey, I can't bless this Sunday, but I can bless the next Sunday. Another priest gets on and he says, well, we're not having sacrament meeting next Sunday, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh-huh. And... My husband says to me, this priest says we're not having oh, sacrament. because they hadn't announced it yet. They hadn't announced it oh. yet. He says, this priest says we're not having sacrament meeting. And I s- laughed and I said, well, I'm not going to believe it till I go to. Now, this priest is the son of one of the counselors. Oh. And so I said, well, I'm not going to believe it till I go to church. And I hear that from the pulpit. So a couple minutes later, the bishop texts in the group text saying, we didn't announce confidential ward information. <laughs> So my husband goes, boom, roasted. And I said, well, I do believe the veracity of it now, but I will anxiously await the bishop's official announcement. 
The bishop was not amused, to Ooh. say the least. <laughs> the hazards of a group text. The hazards of a group text and a counselor father who maybe was a little more free and open with information than he should have been. <laughs> anyway. Oh, funny. <laughs> All right. Well, should we hit some news stories from this past week? Well, seeing as how that's what we're here for, we probably ought to do that. Oh, I do want to mention, um, because this happened this last Sunday, the young women had a face-to-face. And this was the celebration of the 150th anniversary of young women. Technically, the celebration date was in May, but as with all things COVID, Mm -hmm. things were pushed back to November, and the Young Women's General Presidency and Board had issued a challenge to all of the girls to do 150 of something to celebrate, and... I don't think you've had a chance to watch. Have you had a chance to watch the face-to-face yet? I haven't watched it yet. We we had a situation. I completely understand. (laughs) We nearly had a situation. My 13-year-old was none too happy about me making her sit down and watch it. But we will be watching it this week. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, it was an excellent broadcast. First of all, I want to say the music associated with this broadcast, um, especially the, the arrangement of the first song in the broadcast. And I'm trying to remember what it was. Um was so beautiful. And I noticed in the music app or in the, mm-hmm. in the LDS tools app or not tools, the library app, right? you go into music and they have some of the songs available that they have used oh. in the face to face. In fact, I should check right now and see if they have, if they've uploaded the songs from Sunday yet, but the music was amazing uh-huh. and they had several musical numbers. They had more than one musical number. All like pre-recorded. Well, no, they appeared to be, they were in the conference center is what it appeared to be. Uh-huh. Um, and then they had the members of the young women's presidency, you know, appropriately spaced apart Mm -hmm. they would bring these women out to sing and when they were these women i should say these young women out Mm -hmm. to sing the young women were standing a significant distance apart so it appeared that they were all in the same room but they were they were pretty spread out spaced accordingly so yeah it doesn't look like they've uploaded the music from the other night yet but um one of the things that they talked about in the face-to-face was um young women had submitted examples of some of the 150 things they had done. Mm -hmm. And some of them were like really big things like memorize 150 scriptures. Others were like read 150 minutes of scriptures. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be anything that they wanted to do. Index 150 names, Mm -hmm. you know, bake 150 cookies and give them away, you know, just anything that they wanted to do. Excuse me, that was some form of service. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't really have any talks in it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They just really celebrated the young women and their achievements and the things that they do to keep them, as they like to say, on the covenant path Mm -hmm. and... Um, I think you're really going to enjoy when you when you sit down and watch it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was an excellent broadcast. Great. Well, I will. So, I'll be doing that sometime this week. Okay. Now we okay. can get into some news. Now we can get into some news. Uh, first thing is a news release came out a couple of days ago saying that our prophet, President Nelson, is having, he will post a special video message of hope and healing. 
November 20th, which is this Friday. Yeah, they announced it on Friday the 13th, I think. So this Friday um, at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, uh, the video will uh, focus on ways to find hope and healing through Jesus Christ during this time of significant global fracture and instability. It will be published to President Nelson's social media accounts. And then, of course, it'll be available later on YouTube, YouTube and-, and all the church websites. So that is something to look forward to on Friday. Isn't this kind of amazing? Just And again, you know, would mm-hmm. he have ever done these kind of messages in a non-COVID time? Right. You know, where he's really trying to go, okay, I can't go be with the saints. How can I reach out to the saints? Right. And to think about releasing these messages and using this technology, you know, in a way that we've never seen this technology used before. Yeah, it is cool. Because, it's very cool. You know, many times we have to wait. In yeah. the past, we had to wait six months to yeah. like have a video, actual message, not in writing. Like, exactly. So this will be kind of cool. And I, I don't remember it being done. No. Before. I mean, they've, they've been... The, all the members of the 12 have been doing these little, little snippets mm-hmm. and videos here and there posting them. But I don't ever remember a week in advance saying, An announcement. Yeah. mark your calendars, folks. But a much needed message. Yeah. As we are just headed into, you know, kind of a dark period, I think, as it relates to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And obviously in America, you know, a little bit of political unrest, mm-hmm. um, political unrest in other parts of the world. So I... Yeah. I'm always open to a welcome and calming message from a prophet of God. Absolutely. So, all right, let's move on to, I, I, I realize it seems kind of early, but I want to talk about some Christmas stuff. I don't think it's early. I think everyone wants Christmas right now this year. That is what I think. <laughs> I mean, generally speaking, and, and, and obviously Christmas stuff goes up really early. Mm-hmm. I would put my Christmas tree up right now if my husband would let me, but he won't. He's he's very like, we will not do this till after Thanksgiving. And generally speaking, I'm okay with that. But this year, I really want it up. And I've been noticing that with a lot of other people oh, as well. I've been seeing it all over yeah. my neighborhood. Trees are popping up. Lights are exactly. coming up. Exactly. And and I think it's just, we Christmas to me kind of symbolizes hope. And I think... Yeah. We are all just kind of wanting I think so those too. feelings of Christmas in the middle of all of this. Anyway, big tradition is lights on Temple Square at Christmas time. Right. Um, if you've ever been to Utah at Christmas time, it is, you know, Temple Square is literally lit up like a Christmas tree. They also light up the temples in Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So the lights at Temple Square generally draw a very large crowd in these times, we do not want to be drawing large crowds. So the question is, are they going to light up Temple Square? What's yes. left of it? What's left of it? That's <laughs> true. Half of Temple Square is under construction right now with the temple. So really, there's only, there's there's Temple, ha- not Temple Square, Temple Half a Square. Yeah, if that. You <laughs> if got that. like Temple Edge of the property? <laughs> Anyway. That's what was funny to me about this. They said, yes, we're lighting it up. Yes, you can come and see it from across the street on the sidewalk. And I was like, come and see what? I don't know. Maybe it's going to be better than I'm thinking. But in my head, I'm like a row of trees along the perimeter. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's still some trees so. in the interior. They can light up the trees that are around the tabernacle and the trees that are around the... Maybe they'll put lights on the tabernacle. 
They don't oh, usually do that, do no. they? No, I don't think they put lights on the tabernacle. You got enough extra lights, slap them up. Slap them, slap some right, white lights do around it like that. Clark Griswold style. Exactly. Like, put them all on there. Well, so, yes, there will be lights. Yes, if you want to see them in a person, you will be viewing them from afar. But they have a virtual option for lights. So, in true COVID style, they sent a production crew down to Temple Square to meet with some sister missionaries. Mm -hmm. And they filmed a little video that is your virtual tour of the lights at Temple Square with sister missionaries assigned to Temple Square. And it might be a short tour. It might be a short tour. (laughs) But now I am going to watch because I'm curious. Anyway, (laughs) it will be broadcast for the first time on the churchofjesuschrist.org and on the Temple Square Facebook page on December 1st at 6 p.m. Um, I'm sure, obviously, it will make its way to the YouTube page as well. Uh So um, it's going to be published in 11 languages and available for viewing on demand after the live broadcast. All right, then. So the lights will live on. The lights at Temple Square will live on. But alas, we are going to, we are not done with Christmas. I still have a couple more Christmas stories. Um, the next one is the Light the World campaign, which again, we have done for several years now. They have had the big red machines in various cities where you can go to the vending machine and purchase, you know, food for chickens or whatever. Um, those vending machines have, have generated $6.2 million. You know, they've, they've been, right. a, they've been a good generator. It's a big chunk. They're not doing that this year. The mm-hmm. machines are the machines are staying packed away because of COVID. They're asking people to focus on volunteering and donating to charitable charitable organizations. And they're actually kind of starting light the world November 15th. So that would be yesterday. Uh, you can receive daily service reminders at lighttheworld.org. And they have a whole bunch of different activities. Like you can volunteer for service through Just Serve. They will have beginning um, December 1st, a daily calendar of 25 simple ways to serve others. You can sign up for text messages. And so um, I think, first of all, I'm very glad that Light the World is mm-hmm. continuing. And I think that it is incumbent on each of us to look in our kind of more limited sphere this mm-hmm. year and say, you know, what can I do to support this Light the World campaign and focus on the Savior? Yeah. Music was in there too. Did you oh. Did you see that part? I thought this was interesting. They, because you know, no... Yeah, no, okay. mo tab, no tab cats performance this year. Yes. But they did say they were going to have a lot of virtual music submitted by church members from all over the world that they'll be posting to different accounts. And I actually thought that was really cool because we will just see things we haven't seen before. I, I mean, there are so many talented people out there. Exactly. So I think it'll be kind of fun to kind of see the different musical numbers that pop up. So. I think that will be fun too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they said, I think that ran the 2nd of December through the 23rd of mm-hmm. December. So lots of new and unique ways this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but alas, I am not done with Christmas stories. Oh, there's more. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> it is not Christmas unless we talk Hallmark movies. We do always end up talking about those every year. But we really this year do. we have like an actual good reason. To. We have a we have a legit reason to talk about them this year. <laughs> So, as you may or may not be aware, a number of Hallmark movies are typically filmed in Canada. 
um, Canada offers some, in addition to having very scenic winter wonderlands, they offer amazing tax breaks to the companies to be able to produce these. However, this little thing called COVID hit <laughs> and Canada said, no, 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 no. You're not coming over into our borders. So that resulted in movie production going, well, where can we go? Where is a very natural place to go? Utah. Um, of course. Utah has some exceptionally um, friendly uh, uh, tax credits and benefits and whatever to the movie industry. And so they have filmed several Hallmark, Hallmark productions in Utah. Um, the one of which that caught my attention was an article in the Daily Herald from um, these, this couple. This is the third time their house has been used in a movie production. First, the Boy Scouts used it, okay, and then the church used it for a film, and then someone was scouting for Hallmark and saw their house. They live in Provo, kind of in a historic district mm -hmm. in Provo, and said, that's the perfect house. Okay, have you seen this house? What's the deal with this house? Oh, it's your kind of typical, basically 1900s kind of uh -huh. craftsman style house. Okay. Um, it's not the typical brick bungalow like what you mm -hmm. see in Utah. It's more a, a craftsman style house and just kind of has a very classical homey mm -hmm. look to it. So they filmed the movie in July. Mm -hmm. So in July, they have everything set up for Christmas. Um, the actors are out there in coats pretending to be cold in 100 degree weather. <laughs> um, the couple said it was really fascinating to see how they came in and kind of removed all of their stuff set up all of the stuff that they, they just used mm -hmm. the first floor of the house, set up all of the stuff for how they wanted the set to look like. Mm -hmm. uh, they even got to keep the curtains afterwards. They replaced Ooh. their curtains and they liked the curtains they replaced them with. And they're like, ah, you can keep Ooh, those. That's a deal. So they let them <laughs> keep them. Their door is generally yellow. They didn't like the yellow door. So they took their yellow door off mm -hmm. and they put a red door on for Christmas. Of course. And the movie that this was part of was called Christmas Tree Lane. Okay. So, I did watch it um, because I am a big, you know, I've really been enjoying the Hallmark movies more this year. Again, I think it's related to COVID. <laughs> I know they are cheesy and I know the acting is so bad, but they are such a fantasy escape that my brain is like, fantasy escape, check please. Um, and so the one that they filmed was called Christmas okay. Tree Lane. And could you see other scenes from Provo in it? Well, they used a, um, they, I think, I, I'm not sure if they used part of downtown Provo or part mm -hmm. of downtown Payson that okay. they transformed to this business district known as Christmas Tree Lane mm -hmm. that, of course, they were trying to save from the big bad evil corporation. Right. Um, I will tell you this. The acting in this was horrible. There was no chemistry between the lead actor and <laughs> actress. And... I've seen them. I've seen the actress in numerous other Hallmark movies. Um, her name is Alicia Witt. This one, she had no chemistry with her co-star, but I still watched it. And I still <laughs> enjoyed it. There's another one that they filmed called um, Holly and Ivy. There's another one they filmed up in Ogden that is going to be called Twelve Days, uh -huh. where they turned a sign shop into Esther's pet shop. Because they always have to be focusing on a bookstore, a music store, a bakery. That's right. A pet store. Lots of bakeries. Lots so of bakeries. did you get any mountain shots? Probably not because there was no snow on there the mountains. There was no snow on the mountains. Here's the other interesting thing that I noticed. So they had a scene, they had a picture of the house mm -hmm. um, in July, you know, when all decorated for, for snow for Christmas. And, and there's bright blue sky. Right. Because it's July. It mm -hmm. doesn't look like a winter sky. 
And then I realized when they do these, probably 90% of what they're doing, they're setting these, they're, they're filming at night so they can have all of the little twinkle lights on and they can make it look like Christmas and, and the you're snow not, can fall at night and, and you won't be like, why is there snow falling when the sky is blue? Exactly. <laughs> and you don't have the weird lighting that you have uh-huh. in a summer sun, in a, in a summer sky that you would not have in a winter sky, right. even on a clear day. So I started noticing that and that's probably probably one of the things that I really noticed when I was watching this Christmas tree lane is I'm like, how are they making July look like December? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, well, that's fun. And I am going to say, if you don't have Hallmark or you don't have, this is how I do my Hallmark movies. Uh, There is a a subscription, an app that you can call, that you can download called, it looks like it should be friendly, but it doesn't have the E. It's Mm F-R-N-D-L-Y. I pay $5.99 a month. There's no contract. I can cancel it whenever I want. So I subscribe for two months for the months of November and the months of December. They have the Hallmark channel on this and I can for essentially $12.00 download and I can I can watch all my Hallmark movies. Oh very nice. So good tip. Okay. That's my tip for the day if you want to watch Hallmark movies and you don't have cable. All right. You cut your cable. Okay. We are moving on from Hallmark movies to BYU football. <laughs> so well that seems like a natural transition. Of course, of course. We're well rounded here. <laughs> hey, so. we, we we don't discriminate. <laughs> so if you're following BYU football, you know they are having an exceptional season. And we know you follow because your husband is a diehard BYU yes. fan. Now, part of the reason they're having an exceptional season is because they're playing no-name no teams and blowing them out of the water. But nonetheless, after years and years of heartbreak from BYU football team, we will take it. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, this article, there were a couple articles about BYU football in Deseret News, Um and the one that I really loved was about the Boise State game, which was about two weeks ago. BYU came to Boise State to play, and this is a big regional rivalry. Yes. And I don't know. I didn't realize this was not a rivalry when we were at BYU. No. Boise it, State football wasn't a thing back then. No, it sucked. Boise State football has exploded over like the 20 years or so. Yeah. It's probably in the last 18 years. It's gotten, they've gotten very good. Yes. Let's put it that way. I used to joke <laughs> when people, you know, would talk know. about Boise State. I went, <laughs> I went to a school with a real football team. So I can't really say that anymore because Boise State really does have they a are. real football team. So the Boise State and BYU rivalry has just become this thing. It's yes. almost, I mean, it's not the level of the, BYU Utah rivalry, but it's pretty close. It's getting there. I'd say it's like second runner up. Yes. To the BYU Utah rivalry. I think that's a very fair assessment. So they played Boise State a couple weeks ago here in Boise in a um, virtually empty stadium. Mostly empty, just family members and of the players. Oh, and the band. I think they let the oh, yeah, band. The band, come. the band was in there. Um, so we watched the game on TV, and they just. Blew them out of the water too, which was amazing. It's yeah. usually it's a usually much closer game, really tight. In fact, Boise State has beat us more times than we beat them it in recent years. <laughs> so, anyway, fun game to watch. At the end, the players all went into the middle of the field and said a prayer together, and like kneeled down yeah, and said a prayer like together. Both teams, and we were like, "What? What? What is happening?" Well, first, before they did that, um, we noticed just watching it on the TV on our end. That when they went to um, 
you know, congratulate each other, the two teams, Mm -hmm. they were just acting like best buds. Like we were like, oh, these guys know each other. Like there were several Boise State players and BYU players that were just like giving hugs and chatting. And I was like, oh, they clearly like know a lot of these players. Anyway, after that happened, they were headed back to the locker room. And I guess that Boise State team has a chaplain. I didn't realize this is a thing. I did not realize that was a thing either. But apparently football teams have chaplains. Who knew? So Boise State team has a chaplain. And I guess that after every game, they say a prayer in the middle of the field. And Again, who knew? They usually will contact the chaplain of the other team and let them know that they're doing it and invite them to join if they want to. But um, they hadn't contacted BYU because BYU doesn't have a chaplain. No, per se. No, they don't. <laughs> but um, as BYU was getting ready to go back to the locker room, they pulled aside the coach, uh, Kalani Sataki. The BSU chaplain pulled him aside and said, hey, we're going to go pray um, we're getting ready to pray in the field. And Sataki said, can we join you? And he said, yes, of course. So all of the players came back. He um, herded up all of his players and said, come on, players. it's not shower time yet. <laughs> so they all went into the middle of the field and um, knelt down and said this prayer together and had like arms on each other. They were all mixed together. Yeah. It wasn't like BYU on one side, BSU on the other side. Anyway, it made for just like such a cool picture. Yes. And such a cool moment, like... To watch, like, especially in a time where you don't see a lot of unity. Yeah. In many aspects of our lives. It was really cool. It would be like such a great ending to a sports movie if it were a sports movie, but they wouldn't make a sports movie about uh, one college football game. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) But it was really cool to see. And, you know, they interviewed some of the players afterwards um, from BSU and from BYU and both of them just said, you know what, it was a great moment and it was really like unifying and it helps you remember that like this is just a game. Exactly. And There's we, a much bigger picture to yeah. life. And it said that the prayer that their chaplain said, he was just expressing gratitude for the opportunity mm-hmm. to pray, which is obviously a bigger deal this year for these players. Yeah. Like I'm sure the gratitude they have to be able to play at all is huge, big this year. Um, but just and several of the players actually do know each yeah, other. They do know each other. Some of them from like, um, just growing up yeah, and growing being up in the same states yeah, and, and playing against each other yeah. throughout the years. So, so they said, and this was interesting. They broke down, uh, the B- BSU football team. It says 60% of their players are evangelical Christians, 30% are LDS, and then the rest are like Catholics or agnostic. Mm-hmm. But the chaplain said that in general, I mean, obviously prayer is not mandatory for yes. the BSU team. Because BSU is a state school. Right. This is totally voluntary. Totally optional. If you want to go, you can go. Players lead many of the prayers. Mm-hmm. Players ask the chaplain to pray with them. Yeah. So, so. And he said most of the people, most of the players, about 80, 90% of them, yeah. he said show up and do 85 it. 85 or 90% uh, show up for the prayers, even if they're not yeah. necessarily part of a yeah. religious group. So um, I thought that was cool. And it just talked about how they have that in common with BYU, obviously, being a religious school and praying all the time. And and the two teams have that common ground. And that was yeah. kind of cool. The the picture went viral as well that as well it should have. Yeah, it, it was, was it was cool. It was a very cool picture. So, and then the second article also Deseret News was just all about BYU's quarterback Zach Wilson, who here's a little bit of trivia initially committed to BSU. Yes, and then 
at the last minute was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to BSU. Verbally committed and then changed his mind. Then did not follow through on his signing. But they haven't held him against held it against him because no. they were very nice to him after this game. Well, but. and I believe he got lured by BYU saying, because he's very much connected to his family. Mm-hmm. He has very close ties to his family who live in Utah. And they said, you could eat dinner with your family once a week <laughs> if you went to BYU. <laughs> yes. So Zach Wilson is just having an amazing year. Yes. Um, and he is, I mean... I don't know a ton about football. I watch BYU football, but I am no expert. Well, but I watched Friday Night Lights. I feel like I'm an expert now. <laughs> he is really good. Like he can throw. I feel like it's been years since there's They've been a had quarterback, a good quarterback. That can really throw. Yeah, Throws. and throw with accuracy yes. too. Yes. So um, they he is just getting all kinds of recognition. Uh, there's talk of him being up for Heisman in like maybe the top five in competition for that. Who knows if that will really happen because there are a lot of others, but it's being talked about and buzzed about. There's talk of potential NFL. Um, They interviewed coach Sataki and, you know, he basically said they do have some talent on their team that could go NFL and that he will one hundred percent support his players, no matter what they decide yeah. to do, and which I'm sure would be yeah. so sad if they all left after yes. this year. But anyway, it was a fun article. If you want to read more about Zach Wilson and his and his prowess for football, mm-hmm. all right. On that same note of unity, uh, I'm going to switch over to political unity now. Before y'all are laughing and falling off your chair, because we really don't say political and unity in the same sentence anymore. (laughs) I want to talk about the late Senator Bob Bennett and Joe Biden. When they were in the Senate together, they had a very close friendship. Now, Bennett is Utah. Bennett was from Utah. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, Mike Lee holds his seat now. He had held that seat for a number of years and he lost at convention to Mike Lee. He was much more of a moderate, especially in comparison to Mike Lee. Um, if you've listened to our podcast in the past, you know, I have some strong feelings about Mr. Lee. Anyway, so, um, they, and Senator Bennett has since passed away, but he has a son named Jim, uh, that was interviewed for this article. And, um, Jim recalls his father talking about, um, about, uh, uh, president-elect Biden, and that they would exchange books and they would talk about religion. And he said, Bennett and Biden talked religion more than they would talk politics, is what the younger Bennett said. And he said he found his dad reading a book on Catholicism one time. And he said, oh, you know, Senator Biden gave it to me. I'd given him some books. And they would actually read each other's Books. books, which is really cool. And then have a seemingly civil discussion about the books. I'm like, huh, what's that like? I'm not really sure I recall that. Anyway, and so um, anyway, it just talks about their friendship. And it talks about that when Senator Bennett lost at convention, the President Barack Obama was the first call was the first person to call Bennett. um, And they talked about potentially even bringing him onto the administration, but they couldn't figure out a way to make it work because Bob Bennett was at heart a very Republican conservative. Mm -hmm. But also when Bennett passed away, Biden wanted to attend the funeral. But if he did that, 
everybody would have to go through secret service screening and he didn't want to make people do that. So he called Bennett's wife and I guess he spoke with Bennett's wife for about 45 minutes. And uh, uh, the younger Bennett, uh, his son is quoted as saying, Joe Biden is very much a believing Catholic. My father had respect for his personal faith, and you see that in the way Joe Biden conducts himself. It's not a pretense to Joe Biden. He's a man of deep and profound faith. And so I just really liked that as an example of what we used to be when we mm-hmm. could have civil discussion and disagree with each other, but still respect each other's viewpoints. So I thought that was a very timely article. But then there was another timely article that was unfortunately about the passing of Oscar McConkie Jr., who was the founder of the law firm Curtin McConkie. And believe it or not, in the 1960s, the state of Utah was not Republican at that time. It Mm -hmm. was solidly Democrat. And Oscar McConkie was a Democrat. Can you believe we had Democrats in the church? It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> no, it really wasn't that long ago. Anyway, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just. You know, obviously, things change. That was, that was, that was in jest. But uh, he recently passed away, unfortunately, from COVID-related complications. Um, but he really was both a spiritual giant as well as a legal giant. Um, it said that he drove a red convertible and wore a camel's hair coat. He didn't wear the church uniform of a dark suit and a white shirt at all. Wow. So breaking <laughs> the mold, but yet um, very well respected. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. All right. Next article was another Deseret News uh, article they did on Latter-day Saints yearning to return to temples. Um, so this article was just talking about, you know, how long the temples have been closed and how everybody's really, really wishing they could get back. They quoted Elder Christensen, who recently did the groundbreaking ceremony for the Red Cliffs Utah Temple, which yes. is, where is that? Um, that's in the St. George area. Okay. So Saint Jeff George. talked a that's little right. bit about that that's last week. Temple number two in yes. St. George. Anyway, during the groundbreaking for that, um, he just mentioned how over the past few yeah. months he's witnessed Latter-day Saints parked outside of temples, kind of looking longingly at yeah. the temple. And there's another member they quoted who lives across the street from the Mesa Temple that said often they see cars parked outside. Yeah. And that temple's been closed for renovation yeah. for a while now. But they said often they'll see cars parked outside and people studying scriptures or praying and so they were just talking about how we all want to get back to it, uh, but they also quoted Elder Holland, who just said, you know, we have to be patient, and um, they're going to be really careful about the guidelines, and, you know, we're not they're not going to move into that phase three, where it's open for ordinances yeah. for those who've died until it's responsible and they can do it safely. Yeah. So they're not in a rush, but everybody's anxious. Yeah. I, so. I think we're going to be parking lot sitting for a while. Yeah, I think so too. But just think of the day when they open. It's going to be amazing. I just think there's it going to be such a resurgence in exactly. temple work. I mean, names have been building up. This article mentioned that like lots of people are doing family yeah. history as an alternative. And the names will abound when we come back. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. No, I have noticed when I have driven past the Meridian Temple on any mm-hmm. given night, and especially like on either a Friday night, Saturday night, or a Sunday night. Yeah. Literally, the parking lot is full of cars. That's so interesting. And, um, you know, people are going there. I know my daughter Shelby likes to go there a lot mm-hmm. since she can't go to the temple and just 
sit in the parking lot and ponder and pray mm-hmm. and um you know pray for the for the temple to open but uh but yes i i do believe it will be a while as a person in the laundry at the temple i have to say i'm a bit scared for when it does reopen <laughs> you better hire more help they're gonna be, yeah, seriously we're gonna be running those machines 24 yeah. 7 anyway all right so our next story is a true crime story now i could have put this in mormons behaving badly but i didn't um let me explain what this story is we we have to go back in time to 1997 so over 20 years ago and this happened in arizona there was a gentleman member of the church very active member i think if he wasn't a bishop maybe former bishop uh stabs his wife 40 times and dumps her in the pool in their backyard Now, his defense to this was, I was sleepwalking, and I don't remember doing any of this. And again, this behavior, they never could find a motive for him for doing this. This behavior was completely uncharacteristic Mm -hmm. of him. This was the defense that he used. The jury did not buy it. He was convicted of her murder and um, sentenced to life in prison. The jury had a couple of choices. They could sentence him to death. They could sentence him to life in prison. They could sentence him to life, but he could be paroled after 25 years. They chose life in prison. It's kind of interesting because apparently he did have a history of sleepwalking Hmm. because people were like, how could he stab her and how could she be screaming and this doesn't wake him up? And there was a sleepwalking expert that said, you know, as weird as it sounds, that's kind of true. Ooh. I've got a son that sleepwalks. And Does he still? He still sleepwalks. I didn't realize In that. In fact, he just did it the other night. Lauren and I were up talking. Lauren's my college daughter. She was home from college. And we were up talking. And all of a sudden, we hear him upstairs. And he walks down the stairs. And Lauren says to me, he's sleepwalking. <laughs> and sure enough, he walks down the stairs. We ask him a question. He answers it. He gets a drink of water and he goes back upstairs. I ask him the next day, I said, Mark, do you remember having a conversation with Uh us? Nope. Do you remember coming downstairs and getting a drink of water? Nope. I mean, he was totally out of it. That is so weird. Anyway, the reason (laughs) this is relevant now, this this Mm -hmm. 20-year-old plus story, is there is a podcast entitled True Crime Arizona, Mm -hmm. and they are doing an episode on this podcast called The... A sleepwalking murderer. Okay, so this is like a one episode, not like a series. Not a series. Okay. It's just a one episode. And if you download True Crime Arizona, they have mm-hmm. several different stories that they have done on various true crimes in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so this is the latest one that they are doing entitled The Sleepwalking Murderer. So if you are interested in more information on this and you love a good true cr- crime podcast, you can go download that podcast and listen to this Mormon gentleman uh, who had no history of violence or issues with her, his right. wife or anything who just murders her. I remember when it happened. It was just weird. It was a bizarre case. Huh. So Very weird. Okay. Uh, next, we have to hit on the housewives, the real housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> We would be we would be remiss if we did not. We must discuss just for a minute. Yes. Uh, here, now, now let's back up. We had originally talked about perhaps doing a podcast right. on this, and Jeff had been like, "Sure, you guys can do." Because we were thinking of recapping it every week. Yes. And then we watched an episode, and we sat there and we stared at each other as we processed what we just saw. And we went, no. and we were like. Mm. 
No. It kind of had an ick factor. I don't know. It was really weird. Here's what I decided. Okay. It was, this was the problem. Housewives, if you've ever watched Housewives, that's why I was shocked. We are seasoned trash TV watchers. Oh, we are, a, yeah. It and takes seasoned housewife watchers. We knew what we were getting it into. It takes a lot to shake me, but I felt a little shaken. Yes. And I think what it was is it was like two worlds colliding, right? You have your housewives who are always over the top, who are always ridiculous, who are always like excess in everything, plastic, plastic surgery, surgery money, money girl drama with their girlfriends, yeah. like all the things. And that's normal housewife thing. But then you throw it together with the Salt Lake City housewives and, and the, there being aspects of Mormonism the in The underpinnings it. of Mormonism in there. And it was like two worlds colliding. It's like when you see your teacher at the grocery store and you're like, no, yeah, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's why. Or worse yet, at the temple. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so I think that's why it was so weird for me. Does that mean I'm not going to watch? Uh, no, I will be watching every week. <laughs> oh, exactly. And I will be watching with it's you like every week. It's like a train week. wreck. I can't look away. But yeah, we but. just decided that we just didn't feel, it just didn't sit well with us to do to do a podcast on it. You know, to I, do it every week. We, do might, it we might give you updates here and there on yeah. the happenings. but And there's a lot of other um, forums out there that are giving some more weekly updates. Um, you know, one of the things that really kind of bothered me, and this is, you know, kind of contributed to my reason why I didn't decided I don't want to podcast on this. None of these women are active and that doesn't, that's not what bothers me. Okay. Right. I have lots of friends who are inactive. I, that, that's not what bothers me. What bothers me is the things and the misinformation that they were stating about the church. Mm-hmm. You know, we already belong to a religion that some people classify as a cult that they think is weird, that they think is different. And then you got these ladies who are perpetuating that myth. Right. And that's, that, that was a real sense of frustration for me in the inaccuracies about what they were saying about our religion. Yeah. It was really weird to see. Cause it, so this first episode, they did heavily focus they on. They did. On religion. I think that will probably fade as the season goes on because then they'll just start fighting with each other. Exactly. Although, from the preview they showed of later in the season, it appears that some of the fighting with each other is over who is judging whom for whom's behavior, which again seems kind of like. Like they might like a very Mormony thing to they do. Might, they might kind of tie that in again to the more. Anyway, it was comical to me because when we were watching the preview, I was like, "Oh, they're not even members. Like they're not even really in the church anymore, and they're still judging each other over like how churchy or churchy, they how are. churchy or not churchy they are." <laughs> so you know, sometimes you just can't escape. So I think there are what are there six ladies total? There's six ladies and total. Four of the six have church ties. Yes, like either grew up in the church or were members of the church. Um, a couple are kind of still halfway in. It sounds like yeah, that's that's what I think. They yeah. they've got one foot in and one foot out. So. I, I I think probably the best representation of that is probably Lisa Barlow. She considers herself Mormon 2.0. So, um, you know, what, whatever that means, she owns a vodka company. So I guess maybe if you own a vodka company, you maybe be 2.0. I don't know how you could own a vodka company and not taste the product. Yeah. Cause don't you need to know what you're selling? <laughs> I don't know. It was really interesting. Anyway. And they heavily, heavily played on the plastic surgery aspect and yes. this idea of like 
perfection in Utah, which was interesting to me. They always, every season of Housewives, yes. there is plastic surgery happening. Yeah. That's just part of the deal. It's part but of the shtick. I've never seen them hit it so hard in the first episode. Well, and the other thing they kept talking about is, oh, in Utah, the, the women want to be perfect here. Uh-huh. And... That graded on me as well, because definitely I think there is an element of that. Having lived in Utah, Mm -hmm. having had sisters-in-law who would come and visit me in Utah and say, you can't just wear your sweats to Target here. And I'd go, (laughs) no, you can't. I remember saying that to you. Exactly. Everybody's wearing high heels at the grocery store. Full hair and makeup. Um, (laughs) But, um, I, you know, I just, I, I hate that when they say, oh, we, you know, we're, we have to be perfect. We have to obtain perfection because, um, I, I hate the mindset right. that that brings. Well, it's kind of a stereotype. Yeah. And, and I mean, kind of an outdated stereotype. I mean, I know there is some of that yeah. still, but I feel like the majority yeah. of people are trying to move past yeah that mindset but exactly so anyway yeah that's there there's our there's our random thoughts on the on the housewives we will link to a very oh, interesting yes. blog that i believe uh it was called the beehive beehive.com and the author is megan walter and if you want a recap on the housewives without having to watch it, this is the one. Yes. And if you did watch it and you want a hysterical recap on it, she was so good. She I gives some good color commentary. She goes through the whole episode and puts in pictures and commentary yeah. and she was funny. Yeah. I really liked her. So I, I will be, as I watch, reading her articles once a week because I thought she was pretty, pretty clever. <laughs> and I am going to, I will finish our housewives by saying my favorite scene in the episode was the scene where Lisa Barlow and her husband and her kids are going through the drive through at Taco Bell and she's making yes. her Taco Bell order in addition to going, I'm going to need to go to Sonic for a Diet Coke. Yes, that was a And she had boxes of crumble cookies in the car. Yes. I mean, she, she, she checked all of the there were all, food There boxes. were all of the things. I was like, did a producer like set this up? Like, Someone who knows. Well, and she legit <laughs> said, I never cook. We always go, you know, we always go out to eat. And so, um, yeah, she fit all the, she fit all the stereotypical, um, uh, the yes. only thing she didn't go to was Chick-fil-A. Yes. She needed a drive-thru for Chick-fil-A. And Cafe Rio. And Cafe Rio. Will Cafe Rio appear at some point yes. during this season? Cafe oh, Rio and so. Chick-fil-A. I hope so. Exactly. <laughs> so. Although I think the new place is the Shake Shack. I think oh. all the, I think they're all hanging out at the Shake Shack these days too. Oh, okay. So we will keep, we will keep tabs on the food, the food selection. That's right. For Real Housewives. <laughs> all right. Should we move into Mormons behaving badly? Yes. Now, I have a very fun article for Mormons behaving badly this week. It is from um, a... It was like a hospital newsletter website, but also KSL picked it up. KSL picked it up. So, as many of you know, if you have lived in Utah, there is a fine medical establishment in the heart of Provo called the Utah Valley Medical Center. And apparently they are having to implement new precautions because several conspiracy theorists have attempted to sneak into the intensive care unit because with video cameras, because they want to prove that uh, or disprove whether or not the ICU is full. So the hospital has had to crack down on their security procedures. Apparently, 
uh, these conspiracy theorists have been very <laughs> clever um, because before you couldn't get into the hospital unless you had an appointment or you were mm-hmm. on somebody's list. And apparently they were quite clever at lying to convince people that they had an appointment and then they would try and get into the ICU. Now, the ICUs are all under, um, like you can't, you have to call and they have to open the door mm-hmm. to let you in. So right. they never technically got they in. They never got all the way in. They never got all the way in, but it wasn't for lack of trying. And so um, now this article does not identify whether or not these are members of the church. But given the fact that I, I'm going to do a little lawyering now. <laughs> I'm going to do a legal analysis. Well, maybe not a legal analysis. I'm going to do an evidentiary analysis is what I'm going to do. This is a hospital in Provo. We know that Provo is, statistically speaking, quite Mormon. These are conspiracy theorists. We know that there are a number of conspiracy theorists who are Mormon. We know that um, a lot of these conspiracy theorists are, are, are probably very pro-Trump and anti-maskers, and that um, I just believe, statistically speaking, based on the evidence that in all likelihood, these were probably members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who were trying to break into the hospital to disprove the, the, the fullness or lack thereof of the ICU beds. Chances are high. You know what's going to happen? They're going to get COVID. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in a hospital right now. I Believe me, I went to urgent care over the weekend. If I get COVID in 10 days, that is where I got it from. <laughs> because you weren't there for a COVID test. I was not there, there for a COVID test. Every other person was there for a COVID test. You do not want to be going into hospital yeah. right now. Although if they don't believe it's real, then. <laughs> I, I was going to say, chances are if they're, if they don't, if they're there to disprove uh, that the ICU beds are full, they probably don't believe COVID. They're not worried about getting it. So yeah, that's our that's our Mormons behaving badly. Oh, and then we also have baby Mormons behaving badly. Oh yes, Harold Bailey Library on BYU campus had to close. I don't think it was the whole library. No, they just closed a section, section of the section of the library because students weren't wearing their masks in there. It's true, and I did not realize this. Apparently, the Harold Bailey Library has its own Twitter feed, and they tweet in first person. And I guess it's hysterical. I don't do the Twitter. I don't understand the Twitter. I don't get the Twitter. I might have to get on just to see this. I know, but apparently that sounds really funny to it's me. a really funny feed. Who is so. running that? Some student employee? Probably. Harold B. Lee? Some student, well, but student employees come and go. Maybe they have a library director that has a wicked sense of humor. I really like the idea of this. I might have to check it out. I know. All right. Well, should we move on to our favorite things now? Yes. Let's do favorite things. Okay. You go first. Okay. My favorite thing this month is an Instagram account. Um, It is a cooking Instagram account. If you've listened to us for a while, you know that I love a good recipe website. Yes, you do. You're always trying (laughs) to change it up. See if you can get your kids to eat something different. Yes. So this is called Nine Sisters Dine. It's an Instagram account. Okay. Full disclosure, one of my really good friends is one of the nine sisters. Okay. Um, They are, I I call them recipe curators um, because most of the recipes they post are not like their own, like they made They're not an original creation. But they are ones that they've tried and really liked that they found on the internet. So I like this because they pull from a lot of sites that I like. Okay. But they try them first. And they take pictures and they post recipes once a week on Sunday. They'll post like their meal plans for the week. Uh 
And so it gives you like, sparks you ideas. Do they give you like tips and tricks? Like, you know, the recipe says do this, but I did that. Uh, yeah, some of them they okay. do. They do. So, and then as the week goes, as they make the recipes during the week, they'll take a picture of it ah. after they made it and they'll post the recipe again. So you can see it throughout the week. So I love it because it's giving me really good ideas um, of things to try. Uh-huh. And I've tried several that they've picked out and they've all been really good. So what have you tried that you liked? Um, they had a meatball recipe that I really liked and that was good. What else was the other one? There was one I loved. Oh, it was like a honey lime uh, tostada. That was my Ooh. favorite I tried. It was really I'm gonna good. I'm going to have to get on and try it. Honey lime tostada. That so sounds delicious. All of the ones they pick are like really family friendly and it's just fun. And there really are like nine sisters. My friend Katie comes from this huge family. And these are oh, all her like sisters, half sisters, sister-in-laws, and there's nine of them. And so they dang. all kind of contribute to this website or not website, this Instagram account. It's like their fun, uh-huh. their fun sister project. And they all Ew. like take turns picking and trying recipes. And so, yes, if you are in a recipe rut, check out on Instagram, nine sisters dine. Okay. I'm going to have to try that. All right. I have got two favorites. Mine is also an Instagram account. Mine is an Instagram account called Wildflower Clay Company. (laughs) Now, here's why Arianne is laughing. She is the owner of Wildflower Clay Company, and she is way too modest to tell you all about it. She, in the midst of COVID, decides to um, start a new hobby, which is making polymer clay earrings. And they are so freaking adorable. I don't know how many pairs I have of them because I pilfer them from her all the time when she <laughs> makes them. She even made one that she calls the Tiffany after me. Anyway, and so she made a bunch of them and she did a bunch of boutiques and was super successful. And so if you want to go check out her super cute earrings, you can go to her Instagram, which is Wildflower Clay Company, and you can see her adorable, very cute earrings and you can send her messages if you want to purchase anything. (laughs) So, and I admittedly am her biggest cheerleader. So my second um, favorite thing is for those of you that have Disney Plus, there is a series. It's eight episodes in the first season. I hope they do further seasons called um, The Right Stuff. And it is based on a Tom Wolfe book that is based on the initial Mercury astronauts in the 1960s. I'm a huge fan of the space program. I'm a huge fan of the 1960s. I have loved this series on Disney+. Plus. They have released episodes one through seven. They have one more episode to release that they will release next week. Um, this is probably not something you'd want to watch with your kids, maybe your teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the astronauts behave in some rather immoral ways. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't want your little kids in there. Um, obviously, they're not showing any nudity or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it's very much implied. And... You know, it's based on truth. It's it's not right. it, it's not fiction. They didn't make it up. They didn't make it up. <laughs> They're just talking about how they behaved. Anyway, um, so it starts with the be- literal the literal beginnings of NASA in uh-huh. 1959. So completely fascinating. Um, they didn't get very far this season, but they they could seriously do five or six seasons oh, wow. of this. There's a lot of material because I've done a lot of reading on this. So. I highly recommend it. I think both spouses can watch it. Okay, that sounds it's, so good. It's not just geared towards either mm-hmm. men or women. Mm-hmm. Um, 
easily both spouses can watch it and enjoy it. Oh, I'll have to check it out. That sounds really good. The Right Stuff, Disney Plus. Awesome. Okay. I think that's it for this month. I think that wraps it up for us. Jeff should be back next week with somebody fun. I think Jared. I think Jared's on the schedule for next week. But you never know. Next week, that could always change. So we will obviously see you folks again in December. We hope you have a very good Thanksgiving coming up. Thank you for joining us. As always, you can find this week in Mormons on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. If you have any questions or comments, you can email at uh, Jeff at thisweekinmormons.com, and he'll respond to you. Yep. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening.